Father, we thank you for this morning. We pray for Koshi, be with him and help him. Thank you for his life. Thank you for his commitment. I've known him longer than anyone in this room right now. And I thank you for his faithfulness to the gospel, faithful to your people. Thank you for his fervency in prayer. Thank you, Lord, that this family has stood with us over the years. And I pray that Lord continue to stand with them in their time of need, we pray. We pray for Abby in the university, and Josiah here, and Rija. And we pray, Lord, that you will minister through my brother, our brother today, and help us to listen what he has, what he has shared. And maybe go back on these things in another time as well, to go deeper and deeper into it. Yes, Thank Father. you for the word you've given him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. It's me again. <laughs> None of you knew I was going to be speaking today, so you turned up. <laughs> anyway, um, we're just going to go into our first reading, which is in Second uh, Chronicles 25. We'll read the whole chapter so we understand what's going on. Second Chronicles chapter 25. Amasiah was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehoadan of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a loyal heart. Now it happened, as soon as the kingdom was established for him, that he executed his servants who had murdered his father, the king. However, he did not execute their children, but did as it is written in the book, in, in, in the law, in the book of Moses, where the Lord commanded, saying, The fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor shall the children be put to death for their fathers. But a person shall die for his own sin. Moreover, Amaziah gathered Judah together and set them set over them captains of thousands and captains of hundreds according to their father's houses throughout all Judah and Benjamin. And he numbered them from 20 years old and above and found them to be 300,000 choice men able to go to war who could handle spear and shield. He also hired 100,000 mighty men of valor from Israel for 100 talents of silver. But a man of God came to him saying, O king, do not let the army of Israel go with you, for the Lord is not with Israel, nor with any of the children of Ephraim. But if you go, be gone, be strong in battle. Even so, God shall make you fall before the enemy, for God has power to help and to overthrow. Then Amasai said to the man of God, But what shall we do about the hundred talents which I have given to the troops of Israel? And the man of God answered, The Lord is able to give you much more than this. So Amasiah discharged the troops that had come to him from Ephraim to go back home. Therefore their anger was greatly aroused against Judah, and they returned home in great anger. Then Amasiah strengthened himself, and leading his people, he went to the valley of salt and killed 10,000 of the people of Seir. Also, the children of Judah took captive 10,000 alive, brought them to the top of the rock, and cast them down from the top of the rock so that they all were dashed in pieces. But as for the soldiers of the army which Amasai had discharged, 
so that they would not go with them to battle. They raided the cities of Judah from Samaria to Beth Horon, killed 3,000 in them, and took much spoil. Now it was so, after Amaziah came from the slaughter of the Edomites, that he brought the gods of the people of Seir, set them up to be his gods, and bowed down before them and burned incense to them. Therefore the anger of the Lord was aroused against Amaziah, and he sent him a prophet who said to him, Why have you sought the gods of the people, which could not rescue their own people from your hand? So it was, as he talked with him, that the king said to him, Have you made you the king's counsellor? Cease, why should you be killed? Then the prophet ceased and said, I know that God has determined to destroy you, because you have done this and have not heeded my advice. Now Amaziah, king of Judah, asked advice and sent to Joash, the son of Jehu Ahaz, the son of Jehu, king of Israel, saying, Come, let us face one another in battle. And Joash, king of Israel, sent to Amaziah, king of Judah, saying, The thistle that was in Lebanon sent to the cedar that was in Lebanon, saying, Give your daughter to my son as wife. And a wild beast that was in Lebanon passed by and trampled the thistle. Indeed, you say that you had defeated the Edomites, and your heart is lifted up to boast. Stay at home now. Why should you meddle with trouble that you should fall, you and Judah, with you? But Amasai would not heed, for he came from God, that he might give them into the hand of their enemies, because they sought the gods of Edom. So Joash, king of Israel, went out, and he and Amasai, king of Judah, faced one another at Beth Shemesh, which belongs to Judah. And Judah was defeated by Israel, and every man fled to his tent. Then Joash, the king of Israel, captured Amaziah, king of Judah, the son of Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, at Beth Shemesh. And he brought him to Jerusalem, and broke down the wall of Jerusalem from the gate of Ephraim to, corner, to the corner gate, 400 cubits. And he took all the gold and silver, all the articles that were found in the house of God, with Obed-Edom, the treasures of king's house and hostages, and returned to Samaria. Amasai, the son of Joash, king of Judah, lived 15 years after the death of Joash, the son of Joahaz, king of Israel. Now, rest of the acts of Amasai, from the first to last, indeed, are they not written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel? After the time that Amasai turned away from following the Lord, they made a conspiracy against him in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lashish. But they sent after him to Lashish and killed him there. Then they brought him on horses and buried him with his fathers in the city of Judah. My word. (laughs) Verse 2 is really the focus of my message today. Verse 2. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a loyal heart. And I looked at that and I said, wow, how can this be? He did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a loyal heart. 
So my message today is titled, A Loyal Heart, Question Mark. Doing right and being loyal to God. The Lord actually gave me this word back in January. It wasn't really meant to be for here, but I believe we can still learn a lesson from it. At the time, I had no idea, actually, what this was all about. But now, with things that have transpired over the last few weeks, I have a better picture of what, is, it's, what the Lord was trying to tell me. So verse 2 again. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a loyal heart. I always thought that you did the right things because you were loyal to God. But it was really a shock to me that you can do the right thing and still be disloyal to God. So I began to sort of think what this could be. And I want to use this example. I'm sure most of you or a lot of you here may have been brought up in a Christian home. And it's possible that you had no choice but to go to church every Sunday when you were a child. In the early years, maybe you thought it was fun. Maybe as you, as you became older, you probably even enjoyed it. I know I certainly did. And then when you sort of hit your teenage years, you just went along to please your parents. In other words, you did what was right by going to Sunday school or church, but, but you didn't do it because you wanted to. Your heart wasn't in it. You went along, but not with a loyal heart. You went along just for the sake of it. In, also, in life also, we, you would have come across many people some who were loyal and others not so loyal. And usually your endearment is towards the people that were loyal to you. So let's have a closer look at what, this, what the Bible is talking about with the loyalty and being loyal is all about. Now if you look at the dictionary, loyal is defined as giving or showing firm and constant support or allegiance to a person or institution, in our case, the church and, and our brethren, one another. And it's similar to other words like faithful and true, true-hearted, tried, devoted, constant and steadfast, like the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases as we sing. And also the word loyalty is the quality of being loyal. In other words, you know, to give an example, is extreme loyalty to the crown or our extreme loyalty to God. It's about a strong feeling of support or allegiance. Allegiance, faithfulness, obedience, fidelity, these all come in with loyalty, similar to what loyalty is. 
Now, here's a quick summary of what a Messiah did from what we just read. We look at the good that he did versus the bad. Now, I'm not going to go worse by worse, but first of all, the first thing that he did, which was according to the law, was that he executed the servants who had murdered his father. That was a good thing, okay? That was required by the law. And he didn't execute the children, as we read in verse 4. And that was also written in the law of Moses. You know, children do not pay for the sins of their fathers. So he had respect for the law and did what was right and required of him. But however, things soon begin to go wrong. And these are some of the things that he did wrong. He did not take down the high places. And we read about that in Second Kings 14, verse 4. We don't need to turn there. If you want to make a note of it, please do. And people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. And the kings were, and the Israel was very, very directly, in, in, you know, directed by God to take down those high places. So he, he failed in that, that he did not take down, and people were still burning incense in high places. And without consulting God, he pays hundred mighty men of valor from Israel to go to war against Eden. However, to his credit, he does listen to a man of God who came and warns him that the Lord is not with Israel, and he discharges them. But how he does pay for his mistakes, as those discharged raid the cities of Judah. And he goes to war against Edom, and he, he defeats them. But this is where it really gets bad. He brings home the gods of the people of Seir, and set them up to be his gods, and bow down before them, and burned incense to them, as we're reading verse 14. Now, then he gets worse still. He becomes proud. And he's proud of his victory over the Edomites, 2 Kings 14.10. He goes to war against Israel, his brethren. 2 Kings 14, verse 11. And he was defeated. He was warned not to go into war, but he would not heed the warnings. And this is what pride does to you. You know, you think you're bigger than you actually are. Completely conceited. And as a consequence, he suffers much loss. Now, actually, looking at that list, he did a lot more bad things compared to the good that he did. But amazing then that the word of God still says that he did what was right in the sight of the Lord in verse 2. Actually, I was quite puzzled by this. But then looking over at it, what I would say is looking at my own life, I wouldn't want the good in my life versus the bad in my life measured on a scale and my eternal life to be dependent upon that. I'm glad it is not because of my goodness that I am saved, 
but only because of the finished work of salvation that Jesus did on the cross, lest I can boast. God measures us by a different way altogether. It's not because of our goodness. And some of us will only escape hell by the skin of our teeth, as in the case of the thief on the cross, the last moment he comes in. Yet, the Lord is faithful and he is loyal. We read in Psalm 78, 37 to 39. In fact, this whole message could have been based on Psalm 78, but I just want to read just a few portions from it. Psalm 78, 37 to 39 says, For their heart was not steadfast with him, nor were they faithful in his covenant. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and did not destroy them. Yes, many a time he turned his anger away and did not stir up his wrath. For he remembered that they were but flesh, a breath that passes away and does not come again. Amasiah's problem was that he had divided loyalties. Beginning he was loyal to God and then he sought after other gods. Verse 14, we read, He brought the gods of the people of Seir, set them up to be his gods, and bowed down before them and burned incense to them. And Israel was warned about this behavior early on in Exodus. Exodus chapter 34, verses 13 to 14 says, But you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, and cut down their wooden images. For you shall worship no other god, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. So let's have a little more deeper look at things here. Hamasai wasn't the only one that was disloyal to God. You can learn a lot more about loyalty by looking at the first kings of Israel, Saul and David. First of all, let's have a look at Saul, a disloyal king. We'll read 1 Samuel 8, 49. 1 Samuel 8, verses 49. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Israel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out, brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, with which they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Now, therefore, heed, this, heed their voice. However, however, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king 
who will reign over them. Now, it was the people's disloyalty to God that brought Saul in as king. Now, although the disloyalty of the people was towards God, Samuel also felt it. He actually felt rejected. He he felt he was the one that was rejected. Now, Samuel, Saul, measured up to all that the people look for in a leader. He was tall, very handsome, comes from a very powerful family. You know, he was a man of, you know, some character. Now, we wouldn't read about it now, but in the rest of 1 Samuel 8, God warns the people about the kind of things that the king will do. The people were still comfortable with it, though. The people were still comfortable after God warned them what the king was going to do. He he had a forewarning, but they were still comfortable to go ahead with it. So God gave them the kind of king that their hearts desired. And Saul was anointed and then proclaimed king. You can see that in 1 Samuel chapter 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10. Saul actually starts right. He was anointed by God. The Spirit of God also came upon him. And we see that in 1 Samuel eleven sixteen, And he was able to save Jabesh Gilead from the Ammonites. And 1 Samuel 11 recounts the full story there in 1 Samuel chapter 11. And following that victory, Saul had the support of the people. But at Saul's ordination, Samuel again reminds the people of their disloyalty towards God and God's displeasure with the people. 1 Samuel 12, 16 to 18. Now, therefore, stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is today not the wheat harvest? I will call to the Lord. And he will send thunder and rain that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking a king for yourselves. So Samuel called to the Lord and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. The day of harvest should be a sunny day. And on that day, God made it rain to show his displeasure. After doing this wrong, though, the people still had opportunity to follow the Lord. God still gives the people a chance. 1 Samuel 12, 19 to 25 says, 1 Samuel 12, 19 to 25. And all the people said to Samuel, pray for your servants to the Lord your God that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins the evil of asking a king for ourselves. Then Samuel said to the people, do not fear You have done all this wickedness, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart, and do not turn aside. For then you will go after empty things which cannot profit or deliver, for they are nothing. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great namesake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. 
Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. Something there that just tells us we should never, never stop praying for the unsaved. You know, far be it from me that I should stop praying for you. This is Samuel's response here, where people are worried that, that God is going to completely abandon them. But he also, you know, he was pleased the Lord to choose them as his people with all the things that they do wrong. And also in our lives, with all the things that we do wrong, you know, it takes a moment to repent and turn back as David did when he sinned. And so likewise, we also can do the same thing and God will answer here and forgive our sins and our trespasses. But it's not too long before the people's king, Saul, displeases God. He breaks the law by offering a burned offering, which was actually a priestly duty, instead of waiting for Samuel. 1 Samuel 13, 12 to 14. 1 Samuel 13, 12 to 14. Then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Because of his disobedience, because he didn't want to wait for Samuel to come. And he hurriedly went and offered a burnt offering, a sacrifice. And this displeased the Lord. Because it wasn't the orderly thing to do. And God is a God of order. And, you know, these kind of things he will. He, he's very, you know, very meticulous and, you know, it's very important to him. And we need to understand this God. You know, how he is. You know, how we, you know, how we discipline ourselves. Discipline ourselves in our lives. This is actually the beginning of Saul's downfall. And it happens only two years into his reign. He is rejected as king. God has also sought for himself a man after his own heart. Note, though, here Saul seems never to show any remorse or repentance in, at this incident. However, Things again, like Amaziah, gets worse and worse for Saul. Saul's final rejection as king is when he went against King Agag and did not carry out the instruction in that, in that what God had given him. 
We covered this when we looked at the blotting out the remembrance of Amalek. And I'll refer you back to 1 Samuel 15, and we did cover it a little bit when we did that message. And, and the way that Saul dealt with Agag and God's reaction to that is given in 1 Samuel 15, 23. He didn't take it well at all. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. Big consequence for his actions. He was taught to completely wipe out the Amalekites because of what they did to Israel on their journey. And he disobeyed. But later on, we see that David, and we talked about that as well. Later on, David actually does deal with them. But there were remnants, which then one of whom ended up in Persia, a man called Haman. So, you know, God tells us to do certain things. And we, when we disobey, there are consequences down the line. He tells us to do things to, to help us get out of those situations. To, or in fact, to, for us never to get into that situation. He's taking us the way around the situation. He's giving us a way out. That's what he's doing. And this is a serious matter. Disloyalty of the people towards God here, the disloyalty that the people showed towards God here resulted in them getting a disloyal king. That was the penalty that they had to pay. Reminds me of the saying, people get the leaders they deserve. And that's a modern saying that we have. People get the leaders we deserve. So disloyalty led to something like a domino effect, where one thing after the other went wrong in Saul's life. And there was war all the days of, all the remaining days of his life, there was war. And it eventually led him to seeking a medium and then falling, and later on falling on his own sword. Now, God gives us many chances to get things right with him, but eventually he gives up. You know, he tried it with Pharaoh, he tries it here with Saul, many chances. But, you know, from one thing to the other, you do one thing wrong and you you don't deal with it properly. You know, repentance is turning back completely. And never to go back, the dog goes back to the vomit. Is never to go back again. That's what God wants from us. Now let's have a look at David, a loyal king. <clears throat> now to see someone with a loyal heart, you have to look at a man after God's own heart. A, somebody who has a loyal heart is a person with a heart that is after God's own heart. Loyalty is a characteristic of God. 
David, unlike Saul, who was the people's choice, David was God's choice for the people. And he wasn't selected because of his appearance of physical stature, although we are told that he was good-looking in 1 Samuel 16, 12. But that wasn't the reason that he was chosen. But, you know, people looked at, you know, who looks the best, you know, and will make him a king. Uh, But, you know, David wasn't like that at all. God looked at the heart. He was a man after God's own heart. That's the reason he was selected. And God had prophesied beforehand when he rejected Saul that he sought a man after his own heart. We read earlier on. Now, 1 Samuel 16, 67, says here, So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. In a lot of ways, he was looked down upon and rejected by his brothers. You can see that in 1 Samuel 17, 22. He was mocked. And he was, you know, he was the son who was just looking after the sheep. All the others were in the house. And he was just, you know, put aside in a way, rejected, just like we see with Jesus, who was rejected by his own people. And so David was rejected, in a way, by his, by his brethren. Now, David shows, shows his loyalty and devotion to God right from the outset when he pleads to fight against the Philistine giant to take away the reproach from Israel. 1 Samuel seventeen twenty six. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills his Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? It angered David that anyone could defy the armies of the living God. It was God's honor that was at stake, and it really mattered to him. Likewise, we see his passion in Psalm 69, I don't want to go through all of it, just one verse. Because the zeal for your house has eaten me up, and the reproaches of those who reproach have fallen on me. It's also a messianic psalm as well. But David is speaking from his own experience. It's his zeal for, the, for God's house has eaten me up. Is that eating us up? You know, to, when, you know, to gathering together to worship God. In spirit and truth, as Tom said earlier, is that really, you know, are we really excited in coming together and worshiping God in spirit and in truth? Although David had his problems, from a human perspective, David was a model of loyalty. He was 100% for God. Not only was he loyal to his God, he was loyal to his king, King Saul even though many times he tried to kill him. Even when, and even when he had a chance to kill Saul, he wouldn't because he was God's anointed. And he respected that. He was God's anointed and therefore he would not kill him. 
He even had loyalty towards the Philistine king who gave him refuge from Saul when Saul was pursuing him. And this shows the measure of the man. Amazing, amazing man. After he was making David defeat the Philistines, but, and this is well after these events here, uh, you know, after, after Saul's death and a few years after Saul's death, he, he defeats the Philistines both times before the battle, though, he goes and inquires of the Lord if he should go. The Lord said yes the first time, but the second time he was taught to go a different way. That we read in Second Samuel, we won't go there, Second Samuel chapter 5, verses 19 and 23. So he sought the Lord before going into battle. The fact that he didn't go ahead, didn't go ahead of God's instruction shows the heart of the man. Okay, so did many things without waiting upon the Lord, and that was his downfall. And there, there are a lot more examples in the Bible of loyalty. God to Israel, we read, if you read the rest of Psalm 78, God's faithfulness to Israel, his loyalty to Israel. Hosea, again, a picture of God and Israel. Aaron to Moses, stood by him all the way. Joshua to Moses, wow, what a man. Joshua. Hosea to Gomer, I mean, that, I really can't get my head around that. <laughs> but again, it's a picture of God's faithfulness to Israel and, and likewise his faithfulness to us. I tell you what, I, you know, when I went through and I was reading through the kings of Israel, the ones who were disloyal, and then the very few, maybe five, who were loyal to God. It actually, my eyes actually welled up. I felt very, very sad that we should not fall into that. None of us should fall into that. And there was also Jonathan to David. Jonathan knew he wasn't going to be king. And it's incredible that he shows so much loyalty to his brother, David. Not his blood brother, but his brother in the covenant. And incredible. I'm so, you know, you know, I'm incredible, you know, when I look at that relationship there. And, and, and that's the brotherly love that we should have for one another. You know, it's not, you know, I may, I may be losing my, my kingdom to this man, but I'm going to love him because he's the Lord's anointed. And, you know, he's Lord's chosen. And incredible faith and loyalty that he shows towards him. And there is much we can learn from doing the things that these people did. Those people who were loyal to God. And it was because of God's loyalty to the people that God brought in David as king, a man after God's own heart. Shows God's mercy to his people. How merciful is our God. Because of God's loyalty to the people, they ended up with a loyal king. Because God's loyalty. The other one was people's disloyalty to God, born in a disloyal disloyal king, but God's 
loyalty to the people born in a loyal king. That is the difference. When God leads the way, that is the difference. Now, how do we stay loyal? From looking through the examples, some of the things I I can suggest is obey his word. Do not go away from the word of truth and be carried about by strange doctrines that are arising in our midst. We read that in Hebrews 39, the warnings in Hebrews 39. Worship in spirit and in truth. The good kings of Judah removed the high places. So we must also be active in casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. 2 Corinthians 1.5 Listen to the voice of God through the Holy Spirit. Remember, his faithfulness is unchanging. He is loyal even though we have been disloyal. His loyalty to rebellious Israel, as we read in the book of Hosea, as we read in the book of Hosea, should be an encouragement to all of us. Deal with pride. Amasai got into much trouble because of it. And, and, and the Bible is very clear what pride does. And as I conclude... To, lo- to be loyal is to be a man or woman after God's own heart. To be loyal. If you haven't got a heart, you know, after God's own heart, if you're not a person after God's own heart, you will not be loyal. True loyalty is only to be found in God. You can say that He is the definition of loyalty. And the heart of the matter is to do with worship, sacrifice, and the word of the Lord. And when you go away, and f- when, you, when you get into error in these areas, everything then begins to fall apart. And I believe this verse in Philippians underpins all these things. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross." Now that is loyalty, the Son showing to the Father on behalf of us to save us from our sins, to rescue us from the, the miry pit, the clay, the pit that we were destined for. And the kings who were disloyal failed in these, in these points. They failed in in worship, sacrifice. They did wrong kind of worship. Sacrifices that they weren't supposed to do. And they did not listen to the word of the Lord. Now today people are looking for superman pastors with charisma. You know, as people were looking for David. You know, uh, not David, um, Saul as king. They were looking for a king like the other nations. So... Today, people are looking for 
you know, leaders in, in churches who, who have got some kind of a charisma. It's about personality rather than the heart. They're looking for mega churches where the word of God is not preached, where there is the wrong kind of worship, concert rather than true worship that is aimed towards sensual persons. And that is what people are into these days. This is all strange fire leading people away from the truth of the gospel of Christ. The question I want all of us to ask ourselves today is, are we loyal to the Lord Jesus Christ? We talk here here a lot about the body. Loyalty to God is also being loyal to one another. Matthew 15, 89 says, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching us doctrines, the commandments of men. Let this charge not be leveled against us. Are we people who are giving our best to the Lord, best of our harvest, best of our time, best of us to build each other up, and let us be a church and a people who are just not just going through the motions, but truly here to serve God with a loyal heart.